0: Hebrews 11 verse 7 By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Tonight again I want to consider more About Noah's faith. Now last time my emphasis was on. The relationship of his faith to the word of God. And that's first. That's the foundation. Of all true Christian faith. There can be no faith. No saving faith. That is the faith of God's elect. Justifying faith without the word of God. A faith that pleases God has to be faith grounded on the word of God. And Noah heard the word and he believed, he had faith, he just believed God's word and that is foundational. If he had not heard the word he could not have had faith. He could not have acted on God's word. He could not have been moved by God's word. He could not have trusted in what God had said unless he had heard his word. So the word of God is fundamental in faith. And basically, Paul has said this in Romans 10. He has told of the importance of God's word to faith. And he said such things as. How shall they call on him. In whom they have not believed. How can they call on him in whom they don't have any faith. And how shall they have faith. How shall they believe in him. Of whom they have not heard. There has to be the hearing of faith. The word that produces faith. And how shall they hear without a preacher. And then Paul goes on to say, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's impossible to have faith, except by hearing the word of God. So that shows the importance of the Bible. What is the Bible for? It is to create faith, and it is to help and strengthen faith. In the people of God. It's the foundation of faith. It's the basis of faith. It's the food supply of faith. So that it may increase and grow. And it is what the church uses. To feed the flock. The word of God. The nourishing of their faith. So it's so important the Bible. And that's why God raises up preachers. And that's what is the primary work of the Christian ministry, is to present the word of God for the nourishment of the faith of God's people. Maybe you ask, well, why is faith so important to God? Well, it's already been shown in this chapter. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it is so fundamental, so essential. And remember, it was unbelief and it was turning from faith And it was faithlessness that brought the fall. That brought sin into the world. And it's only going to be faith that reverses that. That restores man again. So faith is so important in God's sight. And he's given us a whole Bible. That we may have this faith that pleases him. But having said that about Noah's faith. Based in the word of God. That does not by any means exhaust this verse. We've really only started to look at this verse. Being warned of God, moved. But there's a lot more than that. And it's not what we want to consider tonight. So, more about the faith that Noah had. First of all then, the faith that he has here, his faith embraced things not seen as yet. You see how it says that? Be warned of God of things not seen as yet. And that's a characteristic of faith in this chapter. It's a characteristic of Christian faith, as revealed here and in the Bible. It embraces things not seen yet. What does that mean? Well, not yet means that they are future. They've never occurred. They've never taken place. They've never happened. There's been nothing like it before that has been seen. It's, it's future. So God's word has to do with the future. Warnings about the future. Promises about the future. Things that haven't been seen yet. Haven't occurred yet. But God is promising about them or warning about them. And faith believes that. It believes those future things. That are either warned or promised in the word of God. In verse 1 there it doesn't say faith the substance of things hoped for. That's future future hopes, future promises. The evidence of things not seen. Future things not seen yet haven't occurred. Haven't been come before the sight yet. It's only, only in the Bible, only in the promises. His faith was warning about future things. Well, what was that? Well, in in the context of Noah's life, it was for him the end of the world. It was the rain and the flood coming down and destroying the world. It was a destruction. He had to build a boat for this destruction, of course, as we know, called the ark. It just was incredible as people watched him build this large boat. And it's not even near the sea. It's believed that there was even no rain in those days because the Bible says about the Jew watering the earth. And so rain might not have been a thing that was occurring in the earth at that time. Certainly floods and destructive floods were unknown. So it was not seen, it was unknown. That's why he wasn't believed because it was incredible to people who had no faith and didn't believe God's word. You know, that could never be. And you're building this here, you're mad, it's not even near the sea. What, what do you expect to happen to this? How's this going to float on the water when there's no water nearby? So, it was incredible to unbelievers. But Noah believed. He believed in the end of his world. He believed in the destruction of the wicked by God and the great judgment. Things not seen. But he believed. And we know he believed because he built the ark. To the salvation of his house. So he believed God. Even though these things are future. And it's rational to do that. Isn't it? Because God can't lie. God knows the future. God brings all the works to pass. That are in the future. And we ought to believe him. Even when we don't see it. With our eye. If it's in the Bible. If God says it. We are to believe it. And we must believe it. And that was Noah's faith. Things not seen, a flood. And not only did Noah believe it, he preached that we believe. Uh, and the Bible talks about faith having a hope that is not seen. Didn't Paul and Romans say we're saved by hope, but hope that is not is seen is not hope. For what a man saith, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So there's this assurance, this hope. For something that we don't even see, but we believe it—it's real because God has said it, and we're waiting patiently for it, even though we've never seen it, because we just know God has said it. We believe—that's Christian faith, acting on the promises of God, believing it just because God has said it. You see, we don't need to see things. In actual fact—the things that we see, like these pews here and the windows and all in this house. That's all for the destruction, for the fire. That's all going to perish. Those aren't eternal things. These are just all temporary things. The things that are seen are temporal. It's the things that are not seen that are eternal. God tells us about those things. And so faith embraces things not seen, future things. Hell as a prison, the last day, the second advent, the return of Christ, these are things not seen as yet. But because the Bible says and we believe them and we study them and we act in the faith of them the resurrection from the dead we don't have a shadow of a doubt about it. Because God has said Jesus says I'm the resurrection and the life. He says the hour is coming when everybody in the grave will hear the voice of the Son of God. We, we just believe that. I mean that's a thing incredible to the ungodly and to those of no faith. But it's not incredible to us. Because of the power we know that the Son of God possesses as the God-man. And the great white throne of judgment. when we know we'll appear before it. And it causes a dread and a carefulness in the life to some extent amongst us. Because of the faith of it. The lake of fire, the new heavens and the new earth, the eternal life. The life everlasting without ceasing. Things not seen as yet. But we hope for them and we wait for them because they're promised and predicted in the word of God. So that was Noah's faith. And it wasn't just the flood. He even seen beyond that. The the great judgment day and the end of the world and the new heavens and the new earth. He saw those things and, and he believed. So his faith embraced that. And then secondly, we see here that his faith produced in him and led to a movement of godly fear. Being warned, moved with fear. So there's this fear produced in his in his heart. Now Noah not only believed in the coming flood, he realized that that was something awesome. That that was something terrible. He didn't just you know oh I'll study this coming flood and I'll you know get great theology about this in my mind. No, it wasn't something intellectual. It was something practical. It oh it scared him. It moved him. It wasn't all head thing. It wasn't something he studied in lecture rooms and you got a great understanding of it. You know, how the amount of water that it would need to destroy the world and all of this. He, got a, he didn't get caught up in the intellectuals of it. He saw the awesomeness of it. He felt it. He felt the judgment was real. He felt the condemnation was real. He felt the destruction of sinners was real. He felt a danger that was real to his family. So he believed in a way that produced fear produced a sense of the reality of it in his heart and he was moved there are some people who can talk about future things and eschatology and they know it all inside out but you know their lives are not to be imitated and they don't have the fear of God there's something wrong there it should produce fear, godliness, godly fear but when I say that fear here, this response of faith, it's a godly fear, it's a good fear, not a slavish fear. It's a fear that avoids wrong, that avoids sinful situations, that avoids a breaking of God's law, a fear that leads to good and worthy actions. And that's what Noah had. He had this godly fear. We could call it he was God fearing. And those that have faith should have be fearing God. They should fear the Lord. You remember how Peter said, if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work. You know that. You know God's going to judge her works. And so what does that mean? Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In fear. So you see how important it is to have a response of fear to God and to his word. The judgment, the second coming, the lake of fire, the great white throne, the resurrection of the dead, the appearing before Christ. Fear. Produced godly fear. It's not wrong to fear. The Bible says a wise man feareth. And Noah was that wise man. He, he was afraid of the flood. He was afraid of his family being drowned in the destruction. That was wise of him to fear like that. Remember how Paul said to the Romans how the Jews were broken off and the Gentiles now have been grafted in but he said to the Gentiles because of unbelief they were broken off and you stand by faith don't be high minded but fear fear you can't cease fearing even though you've been grafted in even though you're saved even though you have faith you can't cease fearing you can't cease being afraid Didn't Paul say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to those that are saved, who have salvation. And he's telling them, you you have to work that out in your life still. And you're to do it with fear and trembling. And he feared for himself, no, And he feared for his family. And he feared to disobey God. And he feared to grieve God. This was all good. In other words, he wasn't careless. Faith doesn't make you careless. And the epistle to the Hebrews is all about that, isn't it? It's written to believers. Yet we know that he warns of apostasy. He warns of falling away. He warns of hardening of heart. He told about those who perished in the wilderness through unbelief. And he's applying that to the people of God. You, you, you have to persevere. You, you, have, you can't be careless. You still have to have a spirit of fear about you. And so he tells them about the deceitfulness of sin. He tells them about the danger of a root of bitterness. And none of that allows for complacency. You see, Christians who have faith, that doesn't mean that they're complacent. It doesn't mean that they're careless. You can't be careless and complacent. You can't say everything's in the bag and it's all okay. No. Noah didn't trust himself. He didn't have self confidence. Every day, as he prepared this ark, he had an element of fear that kept him going. Now, this godly fear is consistent with assurance. Assurance doesn't mean all is well. I can be careless and do what I want. That's not the Bible doctrine of assurance. I can be carefree. I don't have to worry about the Christian armor. I don't have to worry about obeying God. I have assurance. I made a decision in my life. So many years ago. That's not Christian assurance. Christian assurance. Contains vigilance. Carefulness. Fear of God. There is a false assurance. Without godly fear. And there is a lacking assurance. With godly fear. And there's a full assurance. With godly fear. That's the best to have. And Noah had that. He had the full assurance. But with godly fear. And we have to continue fearing God. And that brings us on to the third element. He had this element. Of perseverance. Perseverance. Moved with fear, prepared an ark. Let me remind you what I mean when I talk about the perseverance of the saints. And perseverance. And faith that is persevering. When we talk about the perseverance of the saints, we do not mean an eternal security regardless of faith. We don't mean that. We don't mean an eternal security, regardless how the Christian lives or how the Christian responds to Christ. By perseverance of of saints, we mean perseverance in the faith. That's what we mean. That is what the Bible means anyway. So I'm not saying a backslider does not go to heaven. The Lord himself knows them that are his. That There may have been cases of that. But what I am saying is that most usually the Lord preserves his people in faith. Most usually. In the faith and in their Christian faith. Now things can happen, we know that. The mind can deteriorate. It can deteriorate. Things can go wrong in old age as the body begins to fall apart. I know things can take place. I know that Christians can be even surprised by sin and suddenly die. I know that the Lord can sometimes remove a backslider. I'm not denying these things. But generally what I'm saying is, they're they're like Noah. They persevere in the faith. They continue in the faith. They continue preparing the ark. They continue in the work of God. They go on because they're kept by the power of God but through faith through faith not without faith faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time who is he that overcometh? he that believeth on the Son of God and that continues to believe on the Son of God it's not just a a once off decision 20 years ago you signed a card you put your hand up and you had faith in Christ and that was it once for all no 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 The just live by faith. They walk by faith. They continue by faith. This epistle tells us that. It's all about this. The just shall live by faith. At the end of chapter 10. We are not of them who draw back. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That is continue to believe to the end. So the perseverance in faith. And Noah had that. He had perseverance in faith. This wasn't a decision Noah made. And then went on in life pretty much as usual. No, this commenced a movement that lasted his whole life. This commenced a preparation that lasted 120 years. He persevered 120 years. That's some perseverance. You know, none of us would even live that long. I think the most that any Christian can get to now in a life of perseverance and endurance is maybe 60 to 80 years. But whenever we think of this man 120 years of faith up until the time of the flood believing God continuing to prepare the ark or maybe even had finished it a long time ago and there it was sitting but every day he went out and looked at it he believed he was persuaded to go into it when the time was ready he knew he would make use of it when the time came 120 years and he wasn't shaking in his faith even though he's on his own even though he's a minority, even though he's scorned and mocked and ridiculed, he held out, he held on preaching and interceding and continuing on in prayer because he persevered. His, his faith had an element of perseverance. So my says sir he prepared the ark. You don't think that's twenty-four hours. That's a whole lifetime doing that. Perseverance. And some of us we are weary after twenty years of praying on the matters. And maybe you are, you maybe have been praying for children for twenty years, maybe more. And you're wondering, is it worth continuing? Persevering and enduring on. Yes, well, Noah, he, he teaches us. Perseverance. He still prayed for the world. He still preached. Why do you not give up the preaching? Why do you not give up the praying? Because of faith faith. Kept him moving. And then fourthly, this faith led to works. Led to works. Prepared an ark. That's hammer and nail business. That's, you know, labor and work business. That's paying people and employing people and that's, that's works. That's business. His faith led to works. Now, the great epistle that shows the relationship between faith and works is James. And James could easily have used Noah as an example. He'd have been a very good example in actual fact. Here's a man who believed, and he prepared an ark. So he didn't just have faith, he worked. He labored as well. But he doesn't use Noah, as they say. He says, so faith without works is dead. Being alone. And the necessity of good works to follow faith. And so he, he worked. Now he wasn't saved by works, we know that. But the saving faith that he had led to him. a movement of works. He moved, he worked. Now by works, I don't mean you know, something you imagine up in your head. By works, the Bible means good works in obedience to the word of God. He just obeyed God. Good works are just obeying God. The first and second table of the law, the works of worship, the works of duty towards God, and then the works of duty towards our neighbor. This is what good works deals with. So it it deals with the worship, and our our worship, and our faith, and church, and church membership, and church attendance, and church faithfulness, and the labor in regard to to the worship of God, and then all our, our moral duties, In regard to the the second table of the law. That's all the the good works. Obedience to God. And he completely obeyed God. He did. In fact Genesis tells us that. And a couple of times. Thus Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. He has this works obedience to God. That follows and flows out of his faith. And, And those who have Christian faith will show Christian works. Now the ark was his building. He built it. God commanded and Noah built it. He built it as directed. He built it according to every command. Every measurement that God gave. It was just a complete obedience. Exactly as God commanded him. The ark is a picture as we know. Of salvation by grace. It is that. But it is also a picture of. A a, a man of faith. Who has worked according to the. obedience to God. So it's both. picture's both. Good works didn't save him. God saved him. God kept the ark afloat. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord showed him the deliverance. The Lord showed him the salvation. He believed and was saved. But his faith worked. It worked. He prepared. He labored. He worked out his salvation with fear and trembling. He was scorned but he still labored. There was a cost to him, no doubt, but he still served God with good works. So that's, that's very important. Very important. If he had said he believed, and I believe in the flood and the end of the world, and just sat down, put his feet up, and then drowned like everybody else, what kind of faith would that be? Not the faith of the Bible. faith of the Bible gets a man moving. Gets a man doing. Gets a man beginning to obey God. He's not sinless. He's not perfect. But there, there's something driving him more that didn't drive him before. Faith. True faith. And then there was the fruit of faith in his life. Something of, of results. The effects of faith on others, for example. You'll see it here verse verse 7. There was, first of all, a fruit with respect to his house. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house now it's not always the case but it is quite often perhaps most often to a greater or lesser degree that a man's faith will lead to the saving of others it will lead to the saving of others especially to his family especially those that are near and dear to him now it's not always the case there are exceptions sometimes it's not the whole house But generally, that is how the church of Jesus Christ has grown. It has grown by a man of faith who has seen his house saved. Brought his house up in the faith. That's how God normally works. He worked in Noah and it just spread to the rest of the home. A head of a house, a man. When a man has true faith with works, it affects his house. It raises his house to heaven. It does something that the world isn't going to have. Because they don't have faith in the house. Faith in the house, especially in the head of the home, is a powerful thing, a mighty thing. Faith in the house doesn't just bring the Holy Spirit into a man's heart. It brings the Holy Spirit into a man's house. Into a man's house. And he he saw his house saved. He, He had faith in God. He couldn't believe for them. But he has faith in God and it has an effect. And, and we know that God promises that, doesn't He? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You, your faith will have an effect on your house. So God promises that. And we know that in covenantal dealings, and Noah is a, is a prime example of that, in pro- covenantal dealings with a man as head of a house. God includes in the gospel promises his whole household. And Noah believed that. And the covenant was made with him and with his seed. And Noah believed this. And there was this fruit. Now, one of the sons didn't turn out too good. We know that. And he led a whole ungodly line. We know that. We're not saying it's always infallibly perfectly true. But generally speaking... Faith has good issues in a man's home. But then there's also a fact with regard to the world. Because it doesn't we really talk about his house. It says also he condemned the world. By faith, by the which, he condemned the world. Now here's something else that faith does. Now we know that Noah was a preacher. And he probably preached judgment. He probably warned them of the wrath to come. He was a preacher of condemnation. Uh, he was a prophet of condemnation. But I don't think that's what it's talking about here. I don't think it's talking about his preaching. It's talking about his life. His witness. Uh, his, his fear. His movement. His, his hammering the nails into the ark. And preparing this ark. Just what his life is. His labor. That, by that he condemns the world. Even apart from preaching. Now we're not all preachers. Not every Christian's a preacher. Not every Christian's called to be a preacher. But all people of faith, if they're obeying God, and they're faithful to the Lord, their life is a condemnation of the world. I think that's what it means here. His life was a condemnation of the world. Yes, he warned people. There's no question about that. Turn, or you'll be judged. You'll be drowned in the judgment of God if you don't make your way into the ark at the right time and all of that was fulfilled he did condemn them but as I say the text is, is emphasizing that, that his, his fear of God his, his movement of fear his life was condemning the word, it was making them feel uncomfortable it's not that he condemned them like a judge and sentenced them to, to death as it were, he's not that kind of a condemner or judge but his life is producing something on them. It's making them feel guilty. It's making them feel disturbed. You see, every sinner has a conscience. Now I know it's a fallen conscience. It's not perfect. It can be hardened. It can be seared. It can be deadened, and it can be lied to and confounded. All kinds of things. But nevertheless, the the remnants of a conscience in everybody. Whenever there's godliness and holiness, there is something of dread and fear, something of disturbance inside the soul of a man. And Noah produced that. All sinners know that their ways are contrary to God, especially when they see a man of conscience. You know, they might laugh at him, oh he, he pays his taxes and you know, he does everything by the book and all this and that, and they might run him down and ridicule him. But they know they really know. They're condemned. And this God fear and this holy life made people feel uncomfortable. And this was especially so when the rain began to come down and he was locked away in his ark. And the rain began to come down. They didn't drown straight away, you know, it took a wee while. The rain came down and, oh, this is a new thing. But maybe it'll stop soon. It's only an inch or two, but, but it got deeper, deeper. And they began to realize he's right. He's right. And even before the drowned, they felt under condemnation that he was right and were condemned already. Even before the drowned. As as sinners approach death and the reality of the end all comes before them, the increasing sense of condemnation, especially at the remembrance of holy lives and godly examples. We want to see people saved, of course. We don't want the, people to be feeling condemned. But when people won't believe and won't be saved, that, that will be the result. We will make them feel condemned. Now, the preacher is a savour of life unto some and a savour of death unto others. That's just the way the thing is. And faith will produce seed and salvation in some, but also produce condemnation in, in others. And there was this twofold effect of his fruit. So, your godly life is having an effect. The Lord is using it, and He'll use it in the judgment. They don't drown in ignorance, you see, and say, oh, what's happening? What is this all about? I've never seen this before. What is this rain, and what's this water increasing? They weren't ignorant of it, you see. They, They knew what it meant, because Noah had told them. And that's how they drowned. They drowned knowing they were condemned. And that Noah was true and righteous. All that he said was so true. That he was a sincere and godly man. He was right. And then lastly. This faith caused him to be an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. What does verse 7 say at the end? And became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That means that he was truly saved. That he was justified, that he was an heir, an heir of God and an herder of the kingdom, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, a child of God by faith, by faith. In, in Genesis it says, "Thee, Noah, have I seen righteous before me in this generation. I've seen you righteous, you're justified freely." And it was the faith that justified him. Because what does it say here? By faith became heir of the righteousness of faith. It doesn't say by works he became heir of the righteousness of faith. Yes, his, his faith had works. His faith produced works. The truth, truth and reality of his faith was seen by works. But it was the faith that made him an heir of the righteousness of faith. It justified him. It was what saved him as he had faith in Christ and in union to him. His works did not make him an heir of faith. That's what I'm saying. His works proved him to be an heir of faith. He is righteous by faith, not by works, but a righteous, justified man who has works, works that in themselves are always insufficient to justify, but nevertheless are sincere and true and in proportion to faith, which is never perfect. Our faith's not perfect, and our works aren't perfect. We're not saved by anything of ourselves. not even our faith. It's, It's Christ that saves us. But it's that faith, however little it is, in him that saves us, as we are joined to him by faith. He that believeth on him is not condemned, But he that believeth not is condemned already. It's faith that makes you an heir of righteousness. How do I know I have faith? Well, you have the fruit. You have the evidence of wanting to serve God, wanting to please God. You have something of the fear of God in your life. You have something of of movement being produced in your life in your sincere desire to, to know God and to please the Lord. That's, that's, the, that's the evidence, that's the fruit that you have the faith, an error of faith. So therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, congregation, you see then how vital a life of faith is. A life of faith, mind you. I don't want you to think this by faith is you know a decision card 40 years ago. Obeying an altar call and putting up your hand and praying a a prayer that the minister put in your mouth. That might have been the start of it. But faith put you on a road. Faith put you on a way. Faith put you into a movement. A movement. A movement of saints. A movement of the God-fearing. It's believing in Christ and continuing to believe in Christ And commencing a journey and continuing on in that journey to the end. Staying on a path of obedience, staying on a path of fearing God. We walk by faith. It's a walk by faith. The just live by faith. It's a life of faith. It on goes and continues. True faith commences. But it grows and continues. And it affects others. It touches lives. It condemns lives too. And that's why we need every day the word of God. So that this faith may grow and increase. And it's why we need the meetings. And why God's word has to be in the meetings. The feeding of the flock. So that this faith. May it grow and continue and persevere. It needs a word to persevere. And so that is why we preach the word of God always in this house. So that you may be found to have this faith of Noah.